Turn me please to John the first chapter while you get sent. John the first chapter in the 40th verse. Amen. Simon Peter's brother was one of the two who heard what John had said who had followed Jesus the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him we have found the Messiah that is the Christ and he brought him to Jesus Jesus looked at him and said you are Simon son of John you will be called Cephas which translated is Peter which also is the rock Give me a rest in the presence of the Most High. Amen. Get out of here in 29 minutes. 29 minutes. Bless me, Father. Now, we're in this passage this season called Hoosier One, and we've been doing this the fifth and final week of Hoosier One. Next week, we're inviting everybody to bring one to church. Bring one to church. You don't have to have them bring them into the kingdom. You can bring a saved person to church. We want you to practice bringing, you know, reaching out and evangelizing. If nothing else, you can invite somebody to church and you must, you will pick them up and bring them to church. That's an amazing thing. Vacation Bible School was the first time that we actually went and picked somebody up. We picked up somebody from Vacation Bible School every day. Amen. Amen. And it was a wonderful experience, man. I look forward to doing it. I mean, I didn't want to be late. I just wanted to go make sure I got him, got him to the house of the Lord. I felt a sense of accomplishment because I know I was doing my little part mm -hmm. to expand God's kingdom. Yeah. Amen? Amen? I got him here and let God do the work. Mm -hmm. So we got him here and God did the work. And then her mother was blessed towards the end of that week. They didn't have a vehicle. They got a brand new car towards the end of the week. Maybe you can say it was the faithfulness of the mother who said, you know, I trust you, Pastor, with my child. I wish we could go, but I don't have a vehicle. But can you make sure she shows up from Bible school? And the very last day, Friday, she was frustrated. She thought she was going to get a vehicle, and she didn't get one. But ultimately, in the 24 hours, she went and got a brand new 2020 car. Hallelujah. And that's probably possibly because I brought her daughter to church. And I'm just one person I brought. So I'm telling you this to encourage you, just bring one to church. Let God do the work. The only responsibility is get them in the door and let God do the work. Is that all right? And so we find ourselves here in this passage of scripture, and it's, uh, it's Andrew. Andrew is, who knows what Andrew did? What's Andrew's church's name? Everybody knows Andrew's church's name. For one, he didn't have a church. He's one of those disciples who never form the church. Yeah. Much like you, most of us, we will never form a church. Most of us. Some of us will be blessed to establish a church. Andrew never started one. I remember that, you think about who's the one person that brought you who, who brought you to the Lord? 
Who's one person that spoke and brought you and you said those words? Uh, I believe that Jesus died and rose again and with all my heart and I confess with my mouth that he is Lord. Who who was the one that got you to the maybe to the altar or the one who sat with you at lunchtime or the one who who uh if you were from my family whipped you until you gave in? I mean, I mean he was just who was, who was the one? Your mother? Everybody has that one. And that one is, is unique because that one is the one that saved you. Some of us have been saved several times, but the one that saved you the first time, <laughs> the very first time, is unique because they, they ushered in and they can call, when they sit before the Lord, they can say, I got Johnny. I, I got that one. Yeah. I did my part. Yeah. That's that one. But Johnny now is pastor of a church. And Johnny now has saved 25. Mm. Out of those 25, there was somebody out of that 25 who became an evangelist, who traveled the world and saved a 1,000. Yes. And out of that one who saved a 1,000, there was one out of the 1,000 who went over to somewhere in Africa and preached to 50,000 people at one time. Jesus. And a 1,000 people got saved. How many did that original person have on their belt for being into the kingdom. More than one. More than one. They got thousands. But it all started with just one. Just one. You never know who what the one will do, the one that you bring into the kingdom. You never know, because everybody they bring in is yours. It's the only legitimate Pyramid um, scheme in America. <laughs> For all y'all who were, I had a pyramid scheme, my first one. I thought I would be an entrepreneur. I thought I was doing something. I had some water filters. And I, yes. someone thought that I was, I was an entrepreneur and I had my own business. And they, I knew a lot of people. And they said, we got these water filters, man. And man, I went and got me some water filters. And I had a whole garage full of water filters. Yes. That I could not move. Okay. But somebody was making some money because they came and testified they made a whole lot of money on the water filters. And I, did you? I know people who drink water. <laughs> so whoever was first, though, whoever was first, made a whole lot of money because everybody else who got suckered into buying water filters and selling them, they got a percentage of it. Right? Mm -hmm. And you never, I never recoup my money. I don't even know where the water filters are. Right <laughs> but in Jesus' way, everybody that comes under that one person yeah. is part of that person's Calvary. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we look back and we look at the life here in the context, put in the context in a historical way. You can follow the, the sermon notes, if you would, on EmpowerLiving.Church, our website, and hit latest message, and you'll see the sermon notes. I keep forgetting to tell people that. Peter's brother was Andrew. He's the least known of the four disciples in, in the inner circle. Andrew ordinarily is left very much in the background. We will learn, too, he was used by the Lord to touch one who touched the thousands. He was used by God as one who touched the lives of thousands, not through him, but through somebody else. Andrew was the inviter. He was the one who was the bringer, the introducer to others. Andrew 
Never been born. He was never, had Andrew never been born in the New Testament, a lot of things wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have happened. Things would have changed significantly. Peter may never have been saved. He may never have been brought to the Lord if it wasn't for Andrew. Someone else may have preached the famous sermon on about the Pentecostal sermon. It may have been somebody else, not because of, if Andrew wasn't around. He would eliminate two books of the New Testament, First Peter and Second Peter, if he wasn't around. Only heaven really knows if, if the extent of what would have happened if there was not an Andrew. Andrew was significant. Andrew was the first of all the disciples. His eagerness to follow Christ was one that was combined with his zeal for introducing others to Christ. He, his, 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 his character typifies one who is who's excited about they learn something new. How many of you are excited when you have a new friend? When you find out something great. You find a new place to go. When you go to Carowinds, you find out that you can actually buy the meal plan too. I got that done for you. Uh, we have people who, who are members of, of Carowinds here who they ride rides. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. But they also go in the evening time right around 7 before they close and get their dinner because they live so close. And then that's how I found out about it. They come tell you about it because they were excited about that. So Last year, I, I got me a, a, a membership, and I went two times. Wow. Because it was hot. <laughs> <laughs> it was hot. It was hot. We did go to something else last year. Winterfest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's because they were excited about it. I got excited about it. I told somebody else about it. Another thing I, I really like, I tell, tell people about it, I get excited about it is, I used to go to Starbucks almost every day. I was one of them. But I only I drink coffee. I don't drink the other stuff. I just drink black coffee. And I was going, because I thought that was the best coffee. Then I went and pumped some gas, and I went into the Circle K. And Circle K has this coffee that is ground right there, right fresh for you. And I got a cup for a dollar. Someone say a dollar. A dollar. And Starbucks for a small is $2.06, $2.07 in some places, but two thirteen dollars in others. But anyway, I got this coffee for a dollar and six cents. Six cents. <laughs> and it was the best coffee I've ever had from a gas station. Gas station known for three things from the gas station. Four if you're in Louisiana. Uh, <laughs> coffee, hot dogs, uh, what else? Sausage. <laughs> Those two, mm -hmm. and in Louisiana, uh, po boys. But um, what's that? Oh, I tell you about that on the side, man. Okay. Right. I'm sorry, I don't tell you. I'm married to a Creole man. I got my husband po boys. Okay. All right, so, so this coffee is so good that now I go and I tell people, even in, in when I sit on the board of, of the chamber, I tell them, you know, these business people, you gotta go to Circle K and get the coffee, because it's good. It's the best coffee in the city. People like, I'm not going to show K get any coffee. Look at me, man. I'm not. You know? But then they go and they get some coffee from Circle K. And they come back and say, man, that is the best coffee. <laughs> so now I started a movement on Circle K coffee. Because I got excited about Circle K coffee. It's only a dollar, but it's the best coffee in the city. So now, what if we took that same energy, that same fervor for something we get excited about? and bring that to showing people about the kingdom of God. If he saved you and you're excited about it, then get excited about it and tell somebody else about it. I did it for coffee. Can't you do it for Jesus? 
That wasn't supposed to be that way, but that's <laughs> Andrew's name means simply manly. He was a strong fisherman. His life proved to be bold, decisive, and deliberate. He was intentional about his approach to life. When he did something, he did it with purpose. He was intentional about it. He was deliberate about it. He was driven by a hearty passion for the truth. He, and he was willing to subject himself to the most extreme hardships for others. That's Andrew. He put himself in the way. His personal encounter with Jesus happened before, right around the Jesus time when, after months after Jesus had been baptized. Anybody remember when Jesus got baptized? Remember the story of Jesus yes. being baptized? Yes. They said he was baptized and he went to John and he says, I'm not worthy. And he went ahead and baptized him. And as soon as he was baptized, the dove from, came down upon him physically. It was the anointing of the Holy Spirit of the Lord came upon him. It was a transition in his life with his baptism. So when those get baptized today, it'll be a transition in their life when they get baptized today. We believe that the anointing of God will fall upon them like a dove will come down upon them and seal the relationship with them and God upon them being baptized today. That's the significance of it. Somebody's getting baptized today who's been baptized before because they felt that they need to have something sealed again. They want to start fresh and new again. I've been baptized twice. First time I was baptized, I was baptized probably about 9, 10, 11 years old. And I remember where I was baptized. I was baptized at a place that wasn't even my church. We were, we were going there, but it wouldn't end up being my church. We were going there, it ended up being my church. But I remember looking out and seeing the people and I was being baptized. That was a wonderful occasion. And when I set up to do my ministry again, going to full-time ministry, I was baptized again in Boston. Right before I was getting uh, ordained, I went and got baptized before that because I wanted to start fresh and new. The old folks will tell you, you can only get baptized once. But I believe, I believe you get baptized. If I go to Israel, I'm going to get baptized in the Jordan. Yes. You get baptized. So you feel like you need to get baptized today, go ahead and get wet. We'll get you baptized. <laughs> Don't worry about it. We'll give you a robe or something to wear. You can just wear what you have. We'll give you something to wear. You can get baptized today. And the water will be warm. It won't be cold. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh. If you remember, Andrew and John were standing next to John the Baptist when Jesus walked by. And John said to me, Behold the Lamb of God. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I wonder, I'm sure when he said, Behold the Lamb of God, that must have been one of those occasions where, like, whoa, what are you talking about, man? That's kind of heavy. Mm -hmm. What he was doing was saying, No, we learned earlier, a few months ago, there's a difference between the lamb and the sheep. Yeah. A lamb mm -hmm. is that newborn, that fresh and new. And usually, in the world terms, a year or younger is a sheep, it's a lamb. Mm -hmm. And a sheep is a more mature um, animal. It's, the lamb is a year and less, and the sheep is older. Mm -hmm. And in Christianity, those who are walking in the faith of being a Christian are, are sheep. And lambs are the newborn, the new ones in. Mm -hmm. And when he was saying, John said, Behold the Lamb of God. He was saying not only was in the physical form that he is the, the new and the freshness of God, but also he was the sacrifice because they sacrificed those who were fresh and new, who didn't have a blemish upon them. He said, Behold the Lamb of God. He was saying, Whoa, this is the one who came to be sacrificed for the sins of the world. Yes. What a statement to make. Yes. Who had no blemish, who was pure, yet mighty. Ha. Andrew and John became Jesus' first disciples. The news Andrew heard was too, too, too good to keep to himself. So he found one person who he loved the most. Who do you love the most in your household? Is your household saved? Are your cousins saved? Are the ones you went to the birthday party with this week, are they saved? Uh, are the, are the, one, the one who you hang out with at work, you know, everybody got a, 
a, a work husband or a work wife or somebody like that? Are, are they saved? Are your co-workers next to you, are they saved? Do you even know if they saved? Do you even know? The ones you spend a lot of time with, the ones you really have some passion for, some concern with. I would say the vast majority of us in this room can't tell us if our neighbors are saved. I think over half of us here don't know our neighbor's first and last name. I guarantee you 100% of y'all don't know the middle name of your neighbors. You carry the answer in the cloud. Or 99%. On both sides of your house. Oh, very good. Thank you. Thank you. 100% y'all don't know your neighbor's middle name. So let alone do you know if they say, because we haven't really built those relationships. We have a whole gamut of people who we can go after. A whole lot. I don't want to get before the Lord and him say, well, did you go after? No, I, I didn't. Oh, it hurt me today. I was in the parking lot. A lady who lives by me, she uses her place as a vacation home. She only comes in town every so often. And we were talking. I said, well, Vegas. How's Vegas? She was telling me how Vegas was and you know she's like I know I'm only gonna be here a few days and I'm, she said aren't you a pastor I said yes I am a pastor she said where, where's your church I said it was over, over in Ayersley she said oh I have to I have to look that up I told her where it was I said why she says well I've been going over here um to this other church I said oh we used to be across the street from there she says well I I didn't I didn't think about it and I'm like man it hurt me that this is one who I could have won but because I haven't been on my J-O-B, because she, she only is there a month or two at a time, if that, I missed out. So now I'm going to knock on all my neighbor's doors this week. I feel convicted. I feel convicted. So now she's going to look up the church, and she's going to probably visit, but maybe visit. But that was one that was supposed to be mine. Right? How many of you have missed on one that's supposed to be yours? Just because we didn't have the same passion that we thought we have, like Andrew had for Jesus. Three things I want to share with you today. Andrew saw the value of individual people. Andrew saw the value in the little things, in the one. Andrew realized that this person who I love is valuable to me, and I got to share with them what means a lot to me. I met the Messiah. Come on, check him out. Andrew was excited about that. He saw something valuable and the simply the one. There's a woman in the Bible who he learned she didn't have a whole lot and she was giving. And they were, Jesus was watching from up high and he saw them going around and they were giving their offerings. And there was a little older woman who gave her offering, it was two pennants or two pence or whatever it was at the time, two she shekels, two shekels at the time. And she gave that, it wasn't a whole lot of money. Matter of fact, those were pennies. And they, even in that day, it was pennies that she was giving. But she gave out of what she had. She gave out of her riches, but it was not a whole lot. But it was a whole lot to her. Yeah. And so when she gave it, it meant a lot. It gave a testimony about even the small things that we have, the little things that others don't find significant can mean a whole lot. That testimony of her doing that has encouraged people for hundreds and thousands of years because she gave out of her lack, yeah. but out of great faith yeah. and out of obedience. Yeah. How many of us understand that well, you may not have a whole lot but what you have is more than enough yes. 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 you know <laughs> they did a list of the billionaires in the, in the world and it was like I don't know 
couple hundred of billionaires in the world, and only 14 were black. And half of the ones that were black didn't even live in this country. Mm-mm. They live in Africa. And we discount Africa, but the South Africans, Nigerians, and Ghanaians who are doing quite well, billionaires. And we won't even go visit the continent. Billionaires. I say it to say, you know, what little bit we thought that they had, they had a whole lot. You can't look at one's individual what you think they have. You have to look at the fact that they have and they're giving. So go after that one. Jesus used that example of that woman who gave that two, two, two shekels or two, whatever they call them, pennies, as an investment of who, of the value an individual has. We need to invite, invest in one. Invite, invest in one. Invite, invest in one. What does that mean? Here, Andrew went and he invited one. He invested in one who changed the world for all to see for thousands of years. That one invitation that Andrew did to Peter, to Jesus, changed how we look at Christianity, how we know Christianity is because, how we know that there is a church today is because Andrew talked to Peter, who then Jesus said later on, upon this rock I'll build my church, talking about Peter. There would be no Christian church if it wasn't no Andrew. I didn't say there was no Christian church if there was no Peter. There would be no Christian church if there was no Andrew. And Andrew never had a church. Invest in one. And this coming Sunday, bring them to church. Invest in one and invite them to come to church. Say you don't win a soul this week, this month. Well, you probably will. If you try, you will. But say you don't, you can bring somebody to church. And watch with that one person. Somebody can bring that one person who's going to turn things around, not only for this church, but for the lives that we come and see them witness. I'm encouraged by Kim. When Kim came to the church, she's back there with the kids right now. It changed how we do church. One person. That one person meant we could have vacation Bible school. One person. That one person means we have after school program in the fall. One person. That one person allowed Rachel to get here and do praise and worship. That one person. She changed how we did church. With just one person. You don't even see her in here. One person. You don't know how that's going to encourage somebody else with just the one person that you bring into the church next week. Bring one. He saw the value of insignificant gifts. He saw the value of insignificant gifts. John 6, 8, 1 through 9 says, another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? I tell you this, there's no gift insignificant in the hands of Jesus. That little bit he had right there, those five and two fed 5,000. And we think about that 5,000, that's really 5,000 men. They don't count women and children at the time. You're talking about 20,000 people were fed from five and two. So that insignificant thing they saw, like, all he asked is a little bit right here. What do you have that God can anoint and use in your life? Anything that you have. Anything put in the hands of Jesus can do multiple things. Anything that you have is of value to the Lord when he puts his hand on it. Anything is of value when his anointing comes and connects with what you have. Your prayer, how you think is insignificant, can be a, a prayer that can change the condition of your whole family, if not your community, and your neighborhood. Just your one prayer. You, 
you connect with the Lord are valuable to this community. You who connect with the Lord, you're valuable to this society. You are valuable. I think back, and I got this friend now who's running for president, and I don't support a lot of his personal life, but I'm encouraged by what he's doing to change the condition of the city that I came from. He highlights it, one person. He highlights the fact that on the west side of our town is poverty and blight for black people. He's not doing anything about it. But now that he's running for president, everybody knows about it. Now it's not a secret in our community because now the world knows the west side of South Bend is doing poorly. And the east side of Notre Dame is, is doing well. It wasn't because anything he significantly did, but now he's now the only candidate who's now addressing the issues of black people. He's the only one who laid out a plan. And let me tell you, I know him. He didn't have a plan for black people. I'll tell you, I don't think Peter knew black people until he ran for office. I'm going to tell you. He might, I call him as a friend. But that one person is going to change the condition of a whole city. One person. You have the power to change the condition of your whole family. Not just the ones in your household, but all those come alongside you in a family reunion because they can see how God has touched your life. So what Jesus puts his hand on multiplies. What Jesus puts his hand on is anointed. What Jesus puts his hand on has to grow. It has to grow. Where's your growth? Where's your fruit? We've been talking about this for the last five weeks. We say there's three levels of being a Christian, a believer. Three levels of being a believer. The first believer is one who just, not just, but who is a Christian. That's the one who confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. And they have become saved. And they're saved. They get baptized. That is a Christian. That's the first level. The second level is one who, it says, make disciples of men. In Matthew's 28, the Great Commission, tells them to make disciples of all nations. So a disciple is the next level. Disciple. That's one who's working to be like Jesus. That's stage two of being a believer. You work to be like Jesus. And stage three is the level we all want to thrive to be and stay upon. A disciple, a true disciple, the word says, brings forth great fruit. Which means they're making other Christians like them. Which means for there, there's fruit behind them. You see their work. You see that they connected with the Lord Jesus, and now they're multipliers. They're multipliers. Those are the true disciples. We don't all want to be comfortable being just a Christian. Christian is good. Christian means you're a believer. You come to church on Sunday, maybe Tuesday in Bible study. You come. That's good. You, 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 when you sin, you ask for forgiveness. That's good. That's a good Christian. A disciple is what we want to be. We want to be a true disciple. We want somebody, you want to be able to say to the Lord, I'm your true disciple. I kept your commandments. I love you so much. And see how he will flourish in your life. And you'll bring other people into the kingdom. But also you'll see how you will be blessed. I remember when I was a, a, a chaplain in a hospital. And I would go by and now I had the most difficult times. I would pray for people in their most hurtful moments. When people were dying, I would come in and I Try to pray encouragement when I knew that they weren't going to make it, when the person laying in the bed wasn't going to make it for the family. And sometimes when I felt the Lord tell me they were going to make it, I would pray for them to make it. You know, he'll tell you. If you get a relationship with God, he'll tell you. I needed him too because it's hard to go in the midst of 10 people who are weeping and crying 
and knowing the person is not going to make it. And they believe in it, you know, they're going to make it. And you got to change your prayer. You can't fake the fake prayer. I don't do fake prayers. If you ain't going to make it, I ain't going to pray that you're going to make it. If God say it ain't his will, it ain't his will. That's right. It's not his will. But you can't go tell somebody it's not it's not his will for him to make it. <laughs> you can. <laughs> you can, but I, I don't do that because I don't want I don't want to deter them from being in a relationship with the Lord. So I try to encourage them to understand their relationship is with God in their moment. And I was somewhere and I was walking through the mall back at home and somebody came up to me and they were thanking me for coming to them and blessing their family in their time of need and they were really going in and hugging me and you know, almost to the point that I was feeling like emotional about it, but I didn't know who they were. I don't remember who they were. I have no idea who these people were. I have no idea what family member they were talking about. I, to me, I've never seen a person before in my life, but they knew all about me and what I'd done for them. Quite often in your own individual life, you will touch somebody's life. You have no idea that you're doing when God uses you. It's like you have a blank moment. You don't even know that you were even in the, you know, when, he, when God comes upon you, it's God doing the work. Yes. So you don't have to worry about knowing everything you need to know. I don't know everything I need to know about praying for families. I don't know that. I don't know the Bible well enough to recite all the scriptures I need to recite. I don't know that. But I know my time of need or a scripture will come to me that will be sent by God that I can say to them in their yes. time of need. God just wants your presence. He just wants you to be that tool that he can use. You don't, you don't have to know everything to get everything right. He just needs you to be present and part of the process. He'll do the work. You just show up. Just show up with five and two. And feed 5,000. It will confound the enemy because they can't figure out how he do that. How she do that. It was nothing but God. God wants us. He'll give you the ability to utilize and be who he wants you to be. He saw the value of inconspicuous service. <laughs> the line says, Andrew is a picture of all those who labor quietly in humble places. Ephesians 6 and 6 says this, Obey them not only to win their favor when their eyes is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. From your heart. God just wants you to serve. Not everybody has to know what you're doing. I tell you, who, who is the agent? Who, who knows who this guy is? He's an 18 year old kid out of Duke. His name is, what's his name again? What's his name? Basketball player out of Duke. What's his name? Zion Williams. That's easy, right? Zion Williams, right? Everybody know that name, Zion Williams, right? Yeah, well, you know, you know him now. Who's the agent for Zion Williams? You know? Rich Paul. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Let me take it again. Zion will be just signed a contract for $75 million to wear Michael Jordan's label on shoes. $75 million. His agent is going to get 10% of that. What's his agent's name? You don't even know. He's made $7.5 million. He just signed a, just signed a contract. Not one he even had to negotiate hard with. It's Zion Williams. All you gotta do is say, I have Zion. How much you want? 75 million? Okay, you got it. <laughs> he's, a, he's an humble servant. You don't even know his name. See, that's Zion Williams, but you are just like that agent. In your humble service, someone's gonna do something great 
and nobody even know who you were in the process. See, Andrew's one of the humble servants and nobody even knows who he was. He has no church. He has, you know, Mark is one who went to, into uh, Ethiopia, and so now he had the Coptic church because of Mark, you know. Mm -hmm. He left a mark in the world. He know, Andrew was not, Peter was the one they built all the churches upon, and so you got many churches. You know, he is the original pope, if you didn't know. He was the original pope of the Catholic church, was Peter. We don't know anything about Andrew because Andrew was one of the humble servants who brought, he was the inviter, he brought people too. But if it weren't for Andrew, you would not have a Catholic church. Without a Catholic church, you would not have this church. Any church, because it all started with the Catholic church. He wouldn't have, matter of fact, he wouldn't have, it wouldn't be a remnant of Christians in Africa if it had not been for Mark. Along the Nile, we tell about that along the Nile, where the Nubian tribes were there. They kept their own Christian faith. It's always been African, always been Afrocentric from time immemorial. There's never been Western Christianity in that part of Africa. Never. Because of one disciple. But what about Andrew? We can be that Andrew, be that inviter. The humble servant that changes the course of the world because we love God so much, we become so passionate about God, we have to share our story, our testimony, how he came into our life and turned things around. Be that Andrew. Be the one that God looks upon and smiles upon. In your own weakness, he makes you strong because he won't leave you alone. He won't let you fail. God will not let us fail. Period. As we come to a close, let's start playing, brother. Don't you? First Corinthians. 127 29. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and despite the and despise things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. <laughs> I love this. Said, so that no one may boast before him. God chose the foolish things. God chose the weak things of the world. God chose the lowly things. God looked in our sinful ways and saw how wicked we were. Everybody has a testimony of some sin that you've been plucked from. Everybody has a testimony that they're not even worthy to be blessed by God but there's God. Everyone has a testimony how if I really told you who I really was when I was in my sinful ways, you wouldn't want to sit by me. Because I wouldn't be the person that you think that I am. What I love about the traditional black church is they dress up on Sunday morning. They put on their finest clothes. My grandfather would shine his shoes in the morning and wear this three-piece suit and had this nice watch and put the gold necklace on. He was clean. The boy was clean. He was clean every Sunday. But Monday through Friday, he owned his own truck and picked up trash. But when he came to Sunday morning, Sunday morning, the boy was clean. He was a deacon on the trustee board. You know, in the old Baptist church, they would get on their knees in the morning, deacons would up there, I don't know what they were saying, but they would say something. Signs of Lord, ZZ, Lord, come on, ZZ. That was a devotional in the morning. Who went to Old Baptist Church? Remember the Old Baptist Church? <laughs> 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 
And I don't know what they say. As a matter of fact, I don't know if they knew what they were saying, but they were saying it. Right. They were saying it. They were giving it up for the Lord. Okay. Yes. They thought what little bit they had, they would give it to the Lord. But let me tell you, that moment, I still don't really know what they were saying, but it sticks in my mind to this day how these brothers would do the lowliest of jobs every day. As a matter of fact, you know, some of the foolish things they would do, you know, I got older, I found out about the woman down the street, not my grandfather, that was my uncle, whose family he kept, some of the foolish things in the world. I, I found out just some you know, things we just didn't make no sense that we were doing, right? Because, you know, as Baptists, you can do a whole lot of things and, you know, right. once saved, always saved. Right. <laughs> if that works out, I don't know. I'm afraid of that philosophy. Because I know my sins and I know that if it weren't for Jesus. Come on. I'm just saying. I'm just trying to say. I'm just trying to say. I mean, if I'm saved when I gave my life at nine and I did a whole lot for 20 plus years, I don't know. I don't want to be up in heaven all you folks who've been, been sinning forever, ever, 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 and, and never really got it right and think because you were 12, you got to be like to the Lord. And you were corrupt all the way through to your end, and now you're going to be in heaven. Ain't that kind of heaven I want to be in. You know? But I was saying, but my grandfather was, he took care of his family. Family never needed anything. Had his own house. His wife didn't have a job. She took care of the kids. She had a new car. He worked hard. Small man. He was, my grandmother was 5'10". He probably was like 5'5". Five, five. Little man. She was a big, tall, Indian-looking, light-skinned, brown-skinned woman. He was midnight black, looking <laughs> like he was, like he just came from the tribe of the Twi. I mean, I mean, he's like he was right from the lower parts of Kenya. I mean, I thought he was one of the originals. He was a little, you know, a little pygmy. They call them pygmies. British call them pygmies. I used to think my grandfather was like a came from the pygmy tribe. He was like small, thin, had a big old muscle on him. I mean, he was thin. He had a big old muscle. He was sixty years old, had a big old muscle. And let me tell you about old folk. Old man strength is stronger than a young man twenty five year old bench pressing strength. Let me tell you. Don't let him fool you. Man, they've been through something. That little strength that man had, he was whooping on people, you know, 20 whooping on you because he had some old ingrained strength. <laughs> but what I saw, this little small man who didn't present have much money to Friday, clean on Sunday. Now, every time you go back to that church in the basement, you see uh, pictures of my grandmother and grandfather all throughout the family this church because what they did to establish this church and expand God's kingdom was great and he didn't have much but he was great see God would take the lowly things the small things and when you press it in the hand of God he will multiply those things so for generations to come they will remember your name and how you touched them in their life. How you changed their situation. And you won't even remember who they are. But God does. 
lives have been changed by my grandfather. That they'll never even know who this man was, but they're worshiping the place because of him. Amen? That's who you need to be. Who's your one? All we ask you, just to get one. Not for us, but get that victory for you. Uh-huh. Get that feather in the cap for you. Get that, get that situation that you saved somebody for you. So when Jesus sits down in the right hand of the Father, he looks and he witnesses and testifies for you. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. He speaks on your behalf. And he's excited to say, that's mine. Yes. That's my girl right there. Yes. She brought Jenny and Janie. That's me. Yeah. Father, I did that. Ha! Be that witness.